Solace Meds, guys, uh, stop in to one of their four convenient Colorado locations. They got one in Fort Collins, one in Wheat Ridge, one off of Broadway, one just blocks from the DNVR bar on East Colfax. So if you're coming down to the bar, stop in the Solace Meds. Uh, they got a shop right next to the DNVR bar. When you go in there, use code DNVR20 at checkout. You're going to get 20% off your entire purchase uh, when you do. You can also order online. Pick up at your convenience at solacemeds.com. Use code DNVR20 at checkout to save 20% off your entire purchase. What is up, everybody, and welcome into the DNVR Nuggets podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Use promo code DNVR when you sign up and uh, take advantage of all their great offers. This week, guys... This week might be the week we all get to cash our Jokic MVP bets. Oh. <laughs> I, I'm predicting oh, this is going to happen on Friday, game three in Denver. Oh, and if that happens, it's my dream is going to come true because I put out there months ago when I first made it, if this bet hits, you're going to want to be at the DNVR bar because I have no intention of not spending that money. <laughs> my money's going to be gone. <laughs> I'm going to immediately just... deposit it into my account and immediately start spending it at the bar for a Friday night. Wait, so wait, was it the first time you put the bet in or the second time you, you put the bet in? You son of a... Oh. <laughs> Can you imagine? So you think he's going to get it before game three. The vibes for Dude. that game would be... Just, I don't even, I think they'd be on a level we might have never seen before. Dude, the, vi- the vibes would be oppressive, almost. Like, <laughs> it would be like a lot of vibes, man. Speaking of yeah, vibes, It would be overwhelming. Yeah, I, I know, <laughs> Eric, I know how Eric feels because I was on the timeline today during the Mavs game. But when the Mavs go down, and I like the Mavs, I have no ill will. But when they went down and Eric started talking about the vibes oh, yeah, not being a back, it kind of felt good. <laughs> like, you know what? Yeah, dude, don't steal our shit. Dude, the vi- yeah, the the vibe. I'll, I'll recant. I'll recount what I said. I said the vibes are immature. The vibes are eliminated. <laughs> the vibes are uh, inadequate. Can you uh, I had another. The yeah. Phoenix came out with a. Uh, you know, we just have never skipped steps with this team, and uh, that's <laughs> what. No, get out of here! What the hell? I know. Chris, Chris Paul, we don't back down against anyone. <laughs> What's going on here? What's the what's a good mic? The worst mic that you could have a yeah mic for? <laughs> mic. Oh, no, like a, a mic. Every time he shoots, you say yeah mic. Like God damn it, Mike James. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but uh, I felt a little weirdly good that they went down. It's like yes, our vibes are the only yes. vibes that matter. Ours are the ours are the true and con- correct vibes that are immaculate. the The, the word immaculate means without flaw. And losing the first round is a pretty big flaw, I would that's say. I, I don't think that uh, that the, the 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 record is is anything close to immaculate. I hate that this is like a thing. Like the worst part is that it just we both came by it honestly, and then it just and like we invested so much into it, uh, you know, from just a culture standpoint, and we put it on a GD T-shirt, and then to find out somebody else is using it too, and it's the stupid goddamn Mavericks. Like that sucks. <laughs> I do have to say though, like the the vibe, like were the vibes really ever that immaculate in Dallas this year? Dude. Other than when they went up 2-0? That's like, true. Other than that, it's not like 
there was really any uh, immaculate vibes going on for the Mavs this season. Let's and be plus, honest. Have you ever been to Dallas? It's the, it is the least <laughs> immaculate vibe city. There's yeah. not a vibe to be found in the city. Not a lot of vibes going on there. No, oh, Dallas is like all, Dallas. it's like pure, dude, it's a great city, but it's all highways and restaurants that are off of those highways. It is a lot of <laughs> then, restaurants. It is a lot. I remember, cause I, I come from Dallas. So I have a lot of family like that from down there on my mom's side and, yeah, they're always like, you got to check out this restaurant. It's like a chain, and we have to drive yes. 40 minutes to it. And I'm just like, what, what are we doing here? And it's right off the highway. They're yeah, all right, right off, off the highway. Of course, it's right off the highway, yeah. Um, so anyway, enough about the Dallas Mavericks. The, this show is obviously going to be very heavily on the Phoenix Suns and, and what's going on with this matchup, how we're feeling about it. I have to admit, and I wonder how you feel, Harrison. I've enjoyed having these three days off to kind of just just like reset, refresh. It's almost like... You know, you get to, it's like a little spa day, you know, just kind of reset the minds, get ready for the series as a fan. The players needed it for their own bodies to recover. I feel like we as fans needed it emotionally. Totally. I'm I'm a big fan of lots of days off after a, you reach a point in the season. I was a big fan of the week off after the regular season while the yeah. play in tournament was going on. I'm a big fan of, of these couple days off. Like if you just go into a series uh, the next day or like the day after th- there's no big like, beginning and ending, you know, it's just all one continuous thing, but we got like three, four days off. We, we had a clear, you know, end and a new beginning here. So I'm all about it. Winning in six is the best winning in seven is fun. But winning in six, where it's like, hey, you get three days off. That's perfect. Not too many, not too few. Denver should try to win in six every single time. That's the best number to win in. <laughs> well, well, now we know that it's actually possible. I, I was convinced I that it might not be possible to win in less than seven games before uh, the Portland series. But they did it. They, uh, they cracked the code. They cracked the code. And they just showed that they're a better team than the Portland Trailblazers. I just appreciate that. What, what came out of that is that they – there was just no question that the better team won wow. that series, which I just appreciate so much. Like good on you, Denver Nuggets. It's like, you just didn't, you didn't crumble this time around. Like you were actually ready for the moment. This is like the thing, this is the difference between the Nuggets and the, uh, and the Dallas Mavericks is that like the Dallas Mavericks were at a point where they could have really dug deep and moved on, but they're just not ready there. They're, yeah. they're just not there. They're not ready as a team yet. Like it took the Nuggets, you know, three or four shots to like really get battle tested and get to the point where they, we can start to say in earnest, like we don't back down. Like right. Dallas backs down. They're, they're just young. It's not their fault. They'll yeah. get the, you know what I mean? Like they'll get there, but like, I had a lot to it. throw it at Dallas, like a character flaw. I would say it's more that they get exhausted. And by they it's Luka Doncic because he was like dominant every first half of this. Sure. Series, and then he just got tired. Yeah, but then, and then they just started shooting a bunch of jump shots and they just lost their composure. And like, you know, it's like, it's a skill like to know how to win. And yeah. it only it comes through. True. It just comes, it, it's, it's just being able to strategize your energy and like put it in the right place at the right time and like keep yourself in the right emotional state. And it just takes experience. It's what people talk about all the time. Like why playoff experience is so valuable. Yeah. That, I like that you said that Denver just knows how to win because I do feel like that is a skill, like knowing how to close a team out, knowing the intensity that it takes to do this. And that is a learned skill that Dallas clearly doesn't have yet. Although I think they just were also not as good of a team, but it it'll be, brings it'll us be to, good next year. Yeah. But it brings us to Phoenix too, because Phoenix is a team that, you know, so yep. far they only have one playoff series under their belt as a collective unit. You know, of course, Jay Crowder and Chris Paul have it, 
but all the rest of those guys, you know, this is it. And they get, they pass with flying colors. Those guys do for closing out a series against LeBron James and the Lakers. Now, how much of that was the Lakers knew they were in a, if Anthony Davis has this groin strain, did LeBron know that he was just, you know, the long, slow march to death? I don't know. Um, they certainly didn't look good, but give give credit where it's due. Devin Booker in the two closeout games, you know, game five and game six was absolutely dominant. So um, they've kind of earned their their stripes a little bit here. But if, before we get there, I do just want to make this comment and I'll get, see how you guys feel. Utah Jazz, Los Angeles Clippers, Phoenix Suns. That, those are the teams remaining out West. I look at it and go, they're all tough. They're all going to be favorites over Denver, given how shorthanded Denver is. But I don't think any of them are unbeatable by any means. In fact, I f- don't fear any of those teams the way I feared, like, say, a Lakers last year, um, Warriors the year before that. So, like, not even close. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree. Um, I think the Jazz are the, the toughest matchup out of those three just because they've been the best team in the West for the entire season. They just yeah. got so much – so, so much backing that up. <laughs> They're a machine offensively and defensively. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not scared of Phoenix. I'm not scared of the Clippers. If I'm Denver, they're both good teams. I think both would be, would be long series. And I think this series against Phoenix is going to be long, but you know, the nuggets aren't going to be intimidated by any of those three teams, right? Yeah, like I think so. they're, they're not going to back down. Um, against any of those teams. I think they feel confident going to any of those matchups. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree. The other thing with Utah, yeah. I think that they, in addition to having the best matchup for Jokic and, you know, the familiarity, which makes it tougher, they also have the one coach that I think is on Malone's level for certain in Quinn Snyder. He's a great coach. You go around the rest of the NBA, not even just the Western Conference, but Ty Lu, he's a good coach. He's a champion. But I don't know that he's like, oh, my God, he's going to really he- – <laughs> well, he is, he's but tech- technically a champion. No, is Tyloo a good coach? Do we know if Tyloo is a good saying. coach? No, we don't know. What I'm saying is, I'm not sure that he's a guy I look at. Maybe he is. We'll, we'll see. He has a chance here to prove it. But I don't look at him that way and think like, oh, coaching matchup that that could be a factor. Um, you go to Phoenix, Monty Williams, a great culture coach. You know, this I don't know that he like tactically. You go, oh my God, Doc Rivers. We know historically has not been great. Mike Budenholzer, same thing. Steve Nash, extremely unproven. And Nate McMillan on a Hawks team that's probably not going to make the finals, guys. I don't want to spoil it. So I look at this and I go, Utah is a tough matchup. But even if you go coach, you go best player, you go all these different things, and you go, you know what? Denver kind of kind of matches up well. Just felt yeah, good. Actually, I, I I I I completely agree with that. I mean, obviously, and it it just makes you even more just long for Jamal Murray even more <laughs> like knowing if we had Jamal Murray and this is what the playing with the board looked like it would be like wow you know this is like a like I really truly believe the Nuggets are going to win the title and now it's like you know you can't count them out you know I mean you can't you can't like you know very serious manner just say that you can expect them to be like a real serious threat to take the crown but like at the same point in time like i I mean, I'm not willing to count them out against any of those teams at right. this point. Right. Which is just wild. Like, I, I can't believe we're sitting here saying that. And I mean, it's 100% legit. Like, they, they would push all three of those teams in series. But part of me uh, just actually can't believe that we're sitting here and, and 
with Jamal Murray and all these guys out and that these guys can go up against the jazz, the one seated jazz and the Clippers and push them. (laughs) It's, it's part of it's unbelievable. It's It's crazy. It's it's just Jokic, man. Like Jokic is that transcendent of a player. It's like, you really just put, you can put just, you know, the concept of certain type of players around him and, if they're just the average version of that, like it's going to be a good fit. Like Austin rivers is suddenly like incredible. Um, but like in a situation where it's left up to him to run the offense or be more of a uh, facilitator or, or, you know, have there be more importance on him. It's like shown in the past that you can't rely on him, but like, he's like a guy that Jokic can get in the right place and can hit shots and can defend at a reasonable level. And it's like, you can't tell there's like a million of those guys, Austin rivers type guys in the league that you could put with Nicole Jokic and it would work. I'm, I'm just absolutely convinced. Totally. So dude, I mean, it's just, yeah, we'll (laughs) We'll see what happens. Talking about Jokic, because I think as he's going to be the, obviously the most important player in every series Denver, Denver faces, but I look at it and I go this series more than anything, there's going to be a bunch of other little battles but to me, the number one battle by far is Aiton versus Jokic. Yep. To me, that takes center stage. When? What do you think about that match? Like, what What are some of your early thoughts about that matchup? So I, I've been on Twitter today, and I've been seeing how everyone's saying how DeAndre Aiton is like not a Nikola Jokic stopper, but he, he knows how to defend Nikola Jokic. He defended him really well in the regular season. And Jokic said, and um. Even Jokic said it. Even Jokic said it. I mean, I went back and watched all, all Jokic's shots against the Suns in those three games uh, today. Aiton, Aiton was good. I, I thought Aiton was good. I, I thought he contested Jokic well. I thought he pushed Jokic out to the perimeter a lot, forced him to take a lot of jumpers. I don't think he's any Nicole Jokic stopper by any means. So I think that might be getting a little too much run. But look, I think he's an above average defender um, against Nicole Jokic. And because of that, I think you're probably going to see the Suns deploy a similar defensive scheme that the Portland Trailblazers did and try to play him one-on-one and try to shut down Michael Porter Jr. and try to make Denver's yeah, role players beat about them. about that, Harrison, is Portland tried to defend Jokic one-on-one and it was loudest in game one in large part because Denver just kept posting up. And the same thing happened in the regular season when these teams matched up. Remember, they played them all in a row. It's kind of weird. They played them all in the month of January. Almost all three games happened within like a two-week span. Um, so I, they, they, Denver would just go to their, like their regular offense and run pick and roll into a post-up or into an elbow touch or whatever. And I just don't think that's going to happen in this series. It might happen in game one where they test out Aiton and see how he does against Jokic in the post. But I think mostly what's going to happen is they're going to do what they did against Portland, which is try to get Jokic on the move, send him screens, yeah. get him catching on the on the run, play him up top of the three-point line. You know, Aiton's not necessarily great at stepping out there. And, like, Nurkic was very good at, at sort of staying connected to Jokic and trying to get those his body out into him to contest shots. Jokic still drained him. I think Aiton's significantly worse at this. So that's the thing is can Jokic make Aiton play him in all over the court, not just on the post? Yeah, like – the other thing that's really going to play into this, and I think it's going to play on almost exactly like the Portland series did, was that in the back-to-back um, overtime games that we won against the Suns, like in one of them, Aiton fouled out right. in, as it went into overtime. And that like is what 
I remember really flipped it for the Nuggets and in the Nuggets' favor. The other the thing that happened the next night was that Aiton got five fouls and was taken off of Jokic the same way that Nurkic was, so that to try to keep him, you know, from from fouling out. And then Jokic was working against Cam Johnson. He was working against like Frank Kaminsky and just absolutely murdering, <laughs> like just murdering him. And so like that's the thing. It's like Aiton is a good defender against Jokic, but they're going to try and get him out of there. Like they're going to try and get him like switched off. They're going to try and like, and, and I think they'll probably be def- like successful in that too. Like mm-hmm. there's just, there's ways to get him out of his comfort zone so that he's not just, you know, matching up Jokic one-on-one, taking him down in the paint, like trying to get little sky hooks off. Right. Um, right. I mean, there's just so much that Jokic can do and like get Aiton in vertical, in space to where like he's, slashing at people he's picking up stupid fouls and like i i just think that now is the time when you whenever Jokic ends up going against guys that are like hyper um athletic and like are just lower iq than him which is not saying much because that's Every, everybody on the basketball court literally everyone else in the league. Maybe, yeah but he just like punishes those guys totally and he just punishes those guys like he just gets them thinking a certain way and then he just like just fucks with them <laughs> they like yeah. they end up taking fouls or just they they make bad decisions or whatever and then at the end of the day it's like okay cool now Jokic is on some deeply inferior defender and he can score every time down and like you, you guys can score but you can't score every time down the way that Jokic can do or can facilitate and it's it's just like that's yeah. the way that the nuggets are now program to win like without jamal murray able to just like knock you out from the outside it's like the nuggets are turned into boa constrictors constrictors they're like the grit and grind nuggets now yeah and that that's another similarity to to the portland series if deandre ayton fouls out or something happens that's to what him, i'm saying dude then it's over. i mean a, it's a wrap the suns are in deep shit <laughs> they are they're screwed man like frank kaminsky is their backup center and yeah. they got Dario Saric as well. Sarge, but. Right. I remember game three though, or, or game three, the third time they played when I think it was the third one when Aiton did foul out. And do you remember when Kaminsky came in and Jokic just like immediately yeah. dominated like the most ridiculous domination you've ever seen? So yeah, definitely, yeah. It, it definitely is a thing. Here's the thing though, Jokic drew a lot of fouls on Nurkic, but Nurkic picked up like every time he fouled out, he picked up like two just dumb fouls. Not on necessarily on low your, IQ. He's yeah, like low screens IQ. that were like clearly illegal screens, or like just dumb, like swiping at the ball on Faku. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is, Jokic maybe can foul out DeAndre Ayton, but it would take Ayton doing some dumb stuff. And I think one of the things about Ayton is he really understands the concept that mistakes lose games more than like heroics win them. And and so I don't know that you can count on him to do that. That being said. I do think he fouls out at least one game, and I do think that there's probably another one where Jokic gives him two, you know, two fouls early, and and it changes the rotation. Yeah. So, I mean, the other the other factor to consider here is that now Jokic is finally getting calls. Like, yes, he's actually getting. Well, like at the well, beginning of the year, he let's was not let's no not let's calls. not get too far ahead of ourselves. Yeah, let's let's see what some, let's see what, let's see what happens this series. Let's see what happens. This series. <laughs> but he's now getting some calls versus no calls. Yeah, I think getting him on the move is is part of that. Like. You know, it, it, just putting bigs in situations they're not familiar with is, is is really tough. And I think Aiton, if I if I were to say what I think Aiton's weakness is as a defender, it really is that three point line. It, it's just knowing when and 
Denver even got Nurkic with this. I've talked about this on the list. We talked about it on the show. Getting Nurkic to try to like play in between the pick and roll, which turned out to be Monte, the pick and roll ball handler, stopping him but still running out on Jokic. Like that balance is tough. And I think Aiton is worse than Nurkic at that, just less experienced. And that's going to be one of the things I think Denver really learned about themselves in round one was, hey, here's one area we can really put pressure on bigs. And it's going to be true of the Phoenix series as well. Um, yeah. So, no, something else I was just looking at these box scores from uh, these three matchups. Uh, three offensive rebounds for Yoke in the first game. Mm. Seven offensive rebounds for Yoke Ooh. in the second game. Six offensive rebounds for Yoke in the third game. Man, where does so that go amongst his season highs? Like that's probably close to six and seven is a lot. I'm gonna look it up because that's a that's a lot. I'm yeah, yeah offensive rebounds. I, I mean, one of those games was a double OT game where yeah. Phoenix shot forty percent from the field and Yoke had twenty three rebounds. So, so um, a little bit of an outlier. High. He had seven against Phoenix, which was his second. He had one other game with seven, and then six was his. So against Phoenix, he had his number one or number two and number four offensive rebounding output <laughs> yeah so that's gonna be there like those offensive boards are gonna be there and i wouldn't be surprised if that's where Aiton picks up a couple cheap fouls as well that's yeah. interesting it, it's to me it's like so clear the way that this plays out like it's just so clear um because i you know like it's gonna play out because i feel like we just saw a lot of how it's going to go with portland like we saw like devin booker is going to go off but so did dame lillard right? It's like Chris Paul is going to be fine, but he's, you know, he'll be like CJ like, but he'll be, obviously he'll facilitate a lot more and play a different role that way. The Phoenix Suns are going to shoot a couple games are going to be like so on fire from deep that it's going to suck and we're going to lose. And, but I just, you know, the, just imagining how things play out with the law of averages and that you just can't shoot the lights out every single game, but you can play like Nikola Jokic plays every single game. And that's like unstoppable and undeniable. And it's, it's not up to just whether or not you're having a hot night, you know, yeah. we should clip that and then play it after Phoenix shoots 45% from three. <laughs> yes. Night. It's going to happen to, we're going to, oh, there's going to be two games that just suck. <laughs> it's definitely going to happen. I feel great about Jokic in this year. I mean, I always feel great about Jokic, but I, I mentioned this with Michael Porter, how every series you kind of learn something about yourself. The team learns something about you and you grow from it. I feel like we grew from Jokic grew more than anybody in this last series, getting him on the move so much. And it's just like, oh, here's a whole other way we can deploy him. Even just him as this guy that's like, I think he thought about scoring the ball more in that series than he had in any six game stretch of his career where he's just like, I've got to score. I've got to be thinking about scoring. And he did it, and he scored every game but game four. I mean, he had 30-plus in every single one of those. So um, I expect a similar sort of mind frame from him in this one, and and I expect him to put an output out. Um, so that – and that makes you feel good. Like, honestly, it's the number one matchup, and we're sitting here saying we feel good about the number one matchup. That that means the series there, – there's a little excitement there. Let's take a break. On the other side, we will talk about Michael Porter then uh, next, as well as – you know, Faku Compazzo, Aaron Gordon, like what are some of the key guys? But we're going to start with Michael Porter on the other side. Hey guys, make sure to pick up some Mile High City Copper Lager from Breck Brew. Make sure you have uh, some cold ones on tap for this game Monday night. Game one in Phoenix. Uh, make sure to pick up some Mile High City Copper Lagers for it. You can pick them up at your local liquor store. It's in that uh, Nuggets Skyline Blue can with the Nuggets logo on it. You can't miss it. You can pick them up at the Breck Brew Farmhouse as well. 
Um, also, if you want to get some Strava Craft coffee in your life, you guys can actually get a Strava Craft coffee subscription. Get your coffee delivered to your doorstep. Uh, that's packed with CBD every two, four, six, or eight weeks. And you can receive 20% off your CBD infused coffee every single time uh, with the code DNVR20. If you're a first time customer, use the code DNVR25 for 25% off your first purchase. That can be uh, at StravaCraftCoffee.com. You can uh, just order it straight up. You can get that StravaCraft Coffee subscription. Uh, use the code DNVR25 if you are a first time customer. If you're a loyal Strava drinker, use the code DNVR20 for 20% off your order. Back here on the DNVR Nuggets podcast, I've got D-Line Co. I've got Harrison Wind. And we're previewing this Nuggets Suns series. Nuggets are underdogs, by the way, according to DraftKings Sportsbook. Slight underdogs, not too bad. I think the perfect going to be close. Yeah, perfect, man. Count them out. It actually is more fun to be an underdog. I'm not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> I I actually never want to be favorited in a series of ever again. Like, I, I just want to be an underdog forever. And it really doesn't fit us well. Like we don't. No. It didn't sit. Like remember when we were like. Uh, we felt like we were the leaders for eight days and we just became monsters. We did like it's monsters. so much we're so much better coming from from behind. Like <laughs> I didn't like what, what I saw out of us. It was just it was unbecoming. Well, I hope what we are gonna like what we see out of Michael Porter in this series. And uh it's it's kind of interesting. I thought Norman Powell did a great job of getting physical with Michael Porter. I thought Michael Porter as the series went on did a great job of responding. Um I'm so curious. First off, Harrison, who do you think is going to guard? Oh, I should also mention Denver. I believe Michael Porter only played one game against Phoenix. If I'm not mistaken, I think he missed two of them. Um, But who do you think is going to guard Michael Porter? So he played in two of the games. Okay. So he came off the bench for, he came off the bench for both though. Okay. That's that's how long ago those games were. He came off the bench. Back from his COVID, yeah. Yeah, he played in the two uh, OT games, the back-to-back. I expect Mikhail Bridges to start out on him. I do. And then I think he's going to get a lot of Jay Crowder as well. But I I would think Bridges probably starts out on him. And look, I I think a big reason why you can feel good about Michael Porter Jr. entering this series is because he just got the monkey off his back a little bit. Now, like the, the beginning of that series was rough, but he fought through it and uh, like stayed strong and emerged and came out the other side, you know, in one piece and had some really nice moments in the back half of that series. And that was big because, yeah, we talked about throughout the whole series. Norm Powell really tried to get into his head. He tried to get physical with him. He tried to like psych him out. Now, I think that's the exact same thing Jay Crowder is going to try to do it, when he's guarding him. And for as physical as Norm Powell was, like Jay Crowder will probably be even more physical um, and try to talk more trash to him and try to get in his head even more. But I think because MPJ has been through it now, he's not going to get intimidated. He's not going to get taken out of the game nearly as easy uh, as he did in that. um, What was that game before? Um, But but anyways, I, I think you can feel somewhat good about MPJ coming into this series because he's just been through it. Now, now the matchups are tough. Mikhail Bridges and Jay Crowder, it's a tough matchups for him, I think. But he's been through it. So, um, I'm, I'm positive. I'm, I'm feeling okay. Yeah, I think uh, I, I can imagine him having a much more difficult time with Jay Crowder than 
with Bridges. Like Bridges feels like a guy that he can actually be kind of physically dominant against. Like he's a lot bigger than, than Bridges. Uh, we'll see. I mean, he, I mean, I actually really agree with what you said. I think that confidence is really the only thing that um, MPJ has left to conquer before he becomes like a really dominant basketball player. And like, he's just not shooting power. I, I, I think it's you quick. Think so? Yeah, I think it's, yeah, he still thinks like everything. Well, but I, don't you, th- don't you feel like there's lots of, basketball players that never even great basketball players that never quite get there with that type of thing. And they're just like prolific scorers. Like he may never be like the guy, the full complete player that you want him to be. But I just feel like with him scoring is such a big part of what he's able to give us. And that to me, is like all confidence. It's just like not being rattled, like coming around out of uh, picks and and just popping and not, you know, like not neat realizing it doesn't have to be like the exact perfect scenario for him to take jump shots, which he totally like remembered that halfway through the series where he's just stopped waiting for it to be a wide open shot. He would raise up when he was not even, facing the basket and would like get square in the air um which to me is just like that's just all confidence it's like being willing to take like a less than ideal shot just knowing that you'll be able to knock it down and to me if he's able to just overcome that like it's just like watch out i mean you probably score on him a lot because you're right he's in the wrong place a lot but um i don't know man to me like if we just if if we can have the steadiness of Jokic with the explosion of MPJ, it's like, I, I have a hard time imagining us, imagining us losing the series. How, how would you Harrison rate Michael Porter's first round? Like what percentage of peak Michael Porter did we get? Well, Cur- of current I mean, he, Michael Porter, meaning like not his 29 years old prime of his career, but like for where he's at in his career. I mean, it's, it's tough to remember. I, I like completely forgot. He had 25 points in game one. I, right. He shot one at 10 from three, but he had 25 and nine right. in game yep. one. And then like the 26 and the double overtime game, 26 and uh, in game seven, I'd probably give him like a, like a B plus a minus for the series. Like his well, low I, I, was. Here's the thing is I give him that. I, Cause I'm with you, but I give him that for like fighting through adversity, not, not like in a vacuum that was a 90th or 88th percentile game from him. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's kind of what yeah. I'm getting. Yeah. Yeah. The, the thing with, with him is his lows were so low yeah. in that Portland series. His lows can't be that low again. Like the, yeah, the least you get for Michael Porter Jr. Can't be one of three for three points in 23 minutes. Like that I don't, I don't see can't it. happen. Yeah. I don't see it happening again. Yeah. I, but what I'm, my point is, I feel like we got Michael Porter being tested, but we didn't get Michael Porter like shining. He shined in moments. He clearly shined in the first quarter of game six, but I, I'm just curious if we're going to get the shining version of, of Michael Porter in this series. And I kind of think we will, um, you know, a guy that is like actually having a large impact on the game, at least in, I think it'll be like the Portland series in one way. And that I, I do think it'll come in waves and then there'll be like quarters where you're just like, Oh, I've got nothing from him that quarter. But I do think that we'll have more Porter quarters, just just more of those. <laughs> yeah, I I I certainly think so. I, I really do think, um, like all 
all storylines with Michael Porter. Like he has to fail before he can succeed, you know, and um, he, he's just done this over and over and um, come back stronger and stronger. And um, you're right. Like his low point in that first season, because I, I think the version, I mean, we've seen Michael Porter Jr. score like big numbers and be dominant in entire games. And you're right. We didn't, we didn't get that from him. We got in a lot of ways, like we got, stuff that was even more surprising and more valuable, which is him being super clutch and hitting shots when we absolutely had to have them. Um, and so now it's like, okay, cool. Like he knows he can do it. Can he just spread it out and just rain down hellfire the entire game? Yeah. Um, which I, I, yeah. I agree. There's something about the matchup that feels like more natural for him. Um, yeah. And like more like he'll be able to get into his, into his groove. We'll see. You mentioned Jay Crowder and Mikhail Bridges. So here's what's interesting to me. Cause I am with you. I think Jay Crowder can get, bring the physicality that maybe will bother him. Here's the thing. That means Mikhail Bridges would be guarding Aaron Gordon. I feel like that's a physicality mismatch on the other end. Like Gordon should be able to get in, in the post and duck in and offensive rebounds. If that's the matchup, like Porter's out on the perimeter. Jay Crowder's the only big body besides Aiton. And not just that, but then your backside rotations, you mentioned, or, or somebody earlier mentioned how many switches there were in the, the regular season game and how often Jokic was posting up like Booker or Bridges or somebody like that. If you put uh, Crowder on Michael Porter and now he's out at the perimeter in the corner, can't help off, and you get DeAndre Ayton switched out onto, you know, Composite or whoever it is that's handling the ball, like Denver should feast on the boards. And that's how you end up grabbing six, seven offensive rebounds in a game. And Aaron Gordon should be the same. So I feel like, Phoenix is in a little bit of a pickle in that they probably are going to play bridges on, on Michael Porter, just because they can't afford not to have a big body like helping out and rebounding. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point because Phoenix is, is pretty small, you know, like Jay Crowder is not a tall guy. He's big. He's physical, Yeah, but he's, he's six, six. Um, like I'm sure Tory Craig will, will spend time on Michael Porter Jr. Yep. Uh not really worried about that matchup. Yeah. Uh, if you're Denver. <laughs> Neither is Michael Porter, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> In the press brief, he said, like, I know like we played one on one. I played one on one with him every day. I don't think he ever beat me or something like that. Yeah, I I one hundred percent believe that. Like uh, that is a one hundred percent effect. One thousand percent believe that, yeah. So I don't. I feel good about Porter. This one, if he doesn't play well, though, of course, it's gonna make. I don't know if Denver can win the series if he gives you what he gave you against Portland. I feel like he has to be a little bit better, five ten percent better at minimum. But his he has the talent to be, you know, twice as good. To be honest with you, like he has the talent to just not have any fifteen point games. Like he has the talent to be a twenty plus point per game scorer every single night with one or two thirty plus point per games in the. Season. I was gonna say he should be pushing thirty every night. My MPJ should absolutely be pushing 30 every single night. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just a little bit of it is just how different the regular season is compared to the playoffs because Michael Porter Jr. would get 20 and 10 in his sleep in the regular season. Like he barely had to move to get 20 and 10. You know, hit a couple threes, get a couple offensive putbacks, already at 15 points. But, you know, in the playoffs, you got to work for everything. Every bucket is tough. Most buckets are tough. So, there's a big difference. Do you see Denver matching up in this series defensively with the starting unit just straight across the board? Meaning Faku is on Chris Paul, Rivers oh is on Booker, you know, 
Gordon's on Crowder. Is, is that how you see it going, Harrison? Or do you feel like Denver might try to put a Gordon on Booker or something like that, you know, cross-match a little? I think default will be what you just said. Um, but, I mean, like, Devin Booker's 6'5", 6'6". He's a little taller than than Dame Lillard and C.J. McCollum. So, I think because of that, you'll see Aaron Gordon on him a little bit. But default would probably be Rivers. And then, yeah, Faku on Chris Paul, which, oh my gosh. which should be interesting. <laughs> yeah, I hope I, – I, I hope that I hope I really I really really hope that I mean I don't I don't think it will happen but I <clears throat> I was hoping that uh, Monte would take Faku's spot in the starting rotation just so that we don't have to get Chris Paul on Faku which is a, a personal matchup for Chris Paul do you remember like he made it his mission to try and clown Faku and he he did like it was pretty time. rough like in the yeah first- in the it, it things could change for sure. I just mean like I don't love the fact that it's like a really personal thing for Chris Paul to target Faku. Um, like that doesn't feel that good to me. I wish I would so much be so much happier if Faku was running the second unit like as successfully as he was doing when we were really rolling in the middle of the year, and you know Monte would uh, take that starting role so he could have the pick and pop and the the two man game with Jokic that they, they could deploy anytime, not just at the end of games. We'll see, but I bet. I, I mean, I'm sure that that closes again, though. I really, do. yeah, I do too. I, I think there's a great chance it actually plays a lot. I just don't think it'll start. I, you're probably right. You're probably right. I just, I don't, I just don't love Faku Compazzo on Chris Paul. So, so that's interesting because I, I wonder if like one of these games like comes down to a Chris Paul one-on-one battle against Faku. Oh my god! Like. I wonder if that could actually be good for Denver because Chris Paul hit double digit scoring in one game against the Lakers. He, he went for double digits in one game and like Phoenix's yeah, offense factor in game five and six. Right. Like, do we know how healthy Chris Paul is? I don't know. And Phoenix's offense, it's not designed. It's not operating at peak performance when Chris Paul is just like shooting mid-range jumpers. That's not what Phoenix's offense is designed to do. So maybe, maybe if he kind of get in, gets into it with Faco, uh, it, it could take Phoenix out of their rhythm a little bit. Maybe, maybe it could be a little good for <laughs> um, I do wonder about Chris Paul's health, but one of the things I was thinking about, so Faku's going to start, I do think there's something to wearing him out, especially, I mean, even if he's hurt, like, you know, just make him work, man. It, Faku's crafty enough that he'll do that and he'll maybe even use it to his advantage, force him to that left hand. So he has to, you know, or, or force him to the bachelor. I think it's the right shoulder that's hurt. So maybe force him to use that one. I don't, I don't know. Um, but I do wonder like campaign was so big for them in that first round. Like he had this, he had an incredible debut series. Like he, that, that I do not think campaign is that good. I hope I don't have to eat these words, but I don't think he's that great. And part of me wonders like, Monte Morris on campaign. Monte Morris is solid. He doesn't make mistakes, even defensively. He stays in front of guys. Faku is a disruptor. And I wonder if putting him on campaign, like you, you, you create a player who has a propensity to make mistakes in campaign and you you up the intensity and, and force him into it. Like I could see Compazzo guarding campaign 
a majority of those bench minutes when campaigns out there and forcing him into three, four turnovers. And all of a sudden Phoenix is starting to doubt. We talk about their second, their second unit, by the way, Phoenix, the, the best plus minus in the NBA raw plus minus their, their bench unit. And if you just, anytime you take a strength and turn it to a weakness, a team starts to second guess themselves. So to me, I almost, don't mind Faku starting, but I almost wouldn't mind if you he was the first sub out and Monte played a lot of minutes with Jokic and with the first group and Faku played a lot of minutes against campaign. I feel like this is something that the series is going to come to. I I just wonder how many games it's going to take before we get there. This is going to be the counterpunch that mm-hmm. uh, we ultimately have is like how we're dealing with Chris Paul. Um, and there's going to also be the counterpunch of how we're dealing with Devin Booker. You're probably right. Like They'll probably start off guarding him straight up and then they're going to be like, all right, Aaron Gordon, you've got Booker. Like, we need to make sure that yeah. he's not scoring a bunch. And then they'll start to flip-flop things around. But I I mean, it's just Michael Malone's style. They're going to come out, just play him straight up, and just kind of see what happens and then adjust accordingly. Yeah, I th- I'm think i so curious to see how Aaron Gordon does. Because I, I do think he'll close on Booker or, or close starting him a lot. And I'm curious to see how he does in those minutes. Do you think we see... Shaq Harrison or Marcus Howard in the series like uh, Will Barton's not he's outruled out for game one so obviously we're going to see one of those guys early on but who do you think it'll be and do you think either of them will have a major impact Harrison oh man um if we see one of those guys I'm gonna say it's gonna be Shaq Harrison wow but I don't see I I don't see either having a a big impact in this. I mean, look, like I know Marcus Howard played big rotation minutes um, last series throughout the entire series. He was good. But every game, he, he was good, but still, every game that happened, I was still surprised when he checked into the game. <laughs> I was still surprised to see him out there. Every single game, one through six. And he played well. He was a plus seven in the series. Yeah. I was really impressed. In game six, he hits the corner three and then immediately hits the, like, he thought he got bumped, so he threw up a prayer and it goes in also. <laughs> it was like, oh, my God, Marcus Howard out here taking some shots. Yeah, to me, I to me, I see it more being more likely that uh, – that Marcus plays like then Shaq Harrison. I don't know who they would put Shaq Harrison out to defend unless Chris Paul was going crazy somehow or, or campaign, I guess. But like, I imagine that if we see either of those players, they'll be wanting to add offense to the second unit because it's not scoring. So that to me says that's Maka's time. We'll get some, you know, every now and again out there to try and uh, just kind of kickstart it and get some shots going down. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Why don't we hit our other our last break and then on the other side we'll get to some predictions for this one and, and kind of talk about game one specifically. Um, we'll do that on the other side. Guys, make sure to hit up Green Mountain Dental Group if you're looking for a dentist in the Denver metro area. A lot of us here at DNBR have gone to Green Mountain Dental Group to, to get everything done. Uh, get cavities filled, wisdom teeth pulled, just cleanings. Uh, they're great people. They're great at what they do. When you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam at Green Mountain Dental Group today, you're going to get a free Sonicare toothbrush, a top-of-the-line electric toothbrush. Uh, again, schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam at Green Mountain Dental Group. Get a free Sonicare toothbrush today. Also now available from Manscaped, the Lawnmower 4.0. Get it while it's hot. Get it fast. Uh, get it before the summer really heats up. Lawnmower 4.0, now available at manscaped.com. 
DNVR listeners, you guys can get 20% off your order uh, on that lawnmower 4.0 with the code DNVR at manscaped.com. Lawnmower 4.0, big upgrade over the 3.0. Wireless charging, um, precision cutting everywhere. It's got that LED light as well. Um, and like I said, a big upgrade over the 3.0. So get it for 20% off with the code DNVR at manscaped.com. Again, use the code DNVR to get 20% off the lawnmower 4.0 at manscaped.com. And finally, if you need help with your mortgage, maybe you're thinking about buying a house. Maybe you're a little intimidated by the process. It's okay. A lot of us are. A lot of us have been. Check out Chevalier Mortgage. These guys make the whole process super easy for you. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com. Michael and Virginia Chevalier, they've been doing this for a while. They've been in this business forever. Uh, They know the ins and outs. They know how to make this super easy for you. So visit them at dnvrmortgage.com. Get set up with a free consultation. Get a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice. Enter to win one of those when you do. And uh, like I said, uh, they know what they're doing. Mike and Virginia Chevalier, uh, they can make the mortgage process super easy for you. Uh, so check them out at dnvramortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. So like Denver, you know, Phoenix rolls out basically an eight-man lineup with a ninth guy that plays limited minutes. And those guys are their starters, Devin Booker and Chris Paul in the backcourt, Mikhail Bridges, Jay Crowder on the, you know, the forward spot and Aiton. And then their bench, you know, Cameron Payne and Torrey Craig basically play the most minutes. They're like, you, you could play them at guards, you, you know, you could play them in the wing, whatever. Um, or, or I'm sorry, campaign and then Tory Craig and then Cam Johnson and Frank Kaminsky are the guys that are a little bit below that. And Kaminsky in the closeout game only played, I think seven minutes. So that's their, that's their rotation. And those are their guys. Tory Craig, that tells me, I, I wonder what Tory Craig's impact is going to be in this series. Um, being that he knows the nugget so well, like, does that give him, is he the type of player, Eric, that you feel his familiarity with the Nuggets gives him specifically an advantage? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Like, he doesn't know this incarnation of the Nuggets at all. And frankly, like, what he knows is, like, that Jokic is dominant. So, okay, cool. Like, <laughs> is that what you're telling Aiden? Like, hey, be careful uh, when you guard the smartest guy in basketball who can do absolutely anything like that's a little inside tip i have to share with you guys like it's also funny to be like the guy who was always throwing passes out of bounds to make a point that you don't know where you're supposed to be like now you have (laughs) what he's doing he's like dude i couldn't when i was on the team how am i gonna (laughs) right yeah he was constantly pissed at me because i didn't understand the offense so let me key you guys in on the offense uh Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm with, I'm with Eric. I don't think Tori's gonna have like a huge impact. And look, yeah, he knows the Nuggets plays. You know who also knows the Nuggets plays? Chris Paul. Yeah. So, <laughs> like at this point in the season, everybody knows everybody. You know each other's personnel. You, you know what plays you're gonna run for the most part. Um, it's just about like lining up across from one another and and the better team's gonna win so um yeah i I don't see him having a huge impact dude it's my favorite comment that i totally like back in the day before i was covering the nba to the level of detail i do now you know you'd hear the story of rondo or lebron and like you know they were having a hard time because lebron would know all the plays and we'd call a play and he'd know it as if it now that i follow basketball as closely as i do i'm like not nearly as impressive as people (laughs) 
think like basketball is a little <laughs> more of a flow sport that yeah. it's not like if you run a play, oh, you just beat them to the spot because you knew where it was coming. It's like you just it means the defense reacts or offense reacts a different way. So yeah, they're like, oh, cool, we couldn't throw it to that direction, so we went the other way, and then we tried yeah, something yeah. else, and... and then you seal or whatever. Yeah, so it's kind of kind of a little funny thing on that on that note. Um, all right, how are we feeling about this one overall? Let's actually start with game one. What do you feel? Um, you know, both teams had three days off, so there's no rest advantage or anything like that. But Chris Paul is coming off the shoulder injury. Denver, I think, looks, you know, they don't really have anything that you look at that you say, ooh, this is a little concerning. Who do you have, Who has the upper hand in game one, Harrison? I'm going to say Phoenix, um, just because Denver – tends to get off to a slow start in playoff series. That's they, so I was really mad about this. They won against Portland game one in 2019 and they yeah. won game one against the jazz last year. Yeah. So yeah. Two and yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this just seems like a game. Like I said, uh, at the top of the show, I could see Phoenix coming out for Game uh, game one, round two at home. When was the last time the Suns advanced this deep into the playoffs? Who knows? That crowd's going to be fired up. I bet they're going to shoot like 45% from three. Um, Devin Booker's probably going to have 30. Cam Johnson's going to hit four threes. Um, I I think Phoenix could take game one, but um, I'm picking the Nuggets to win the series, but I, a game one will be tough. What do you think, Eric? I feel the exact same way. I just feel like we don't win first game, the first game of series. Like we just don't like Michael Malone is a counter puncher, as we keep saying, like he just is. Um, he doesn't want to be though. Yeah. He doesn't, doesn't want to be a counter puncher, but like, I know, but that's just like how, you know, some people are better that way. So they're better. Like once they see what they're dealing with, like coming up with the, the answer versus like the, the initial aggressive aggression. So, yeah, I, I actually agree with your vision 100%. Like, I just think that we'll probably lose this first game. Everyone's going to be like, oh, okay, well, whatever. The Nuggets are a bunch of frauds, blah, blah, blah. And it won't matter at all because they'll figure them out and they'll, they'll, they'll play it out in the long game. I don't know if anybody's going to call Denver frauds at this point, man. Like, they just be... I'd be surprised, dude. <laughs> no, maybe. no, yeah, like maybe 104.3, the fan will call him that, but nobody else. <laughs> um, it, it's funny. If you go back and look at game one of that series, um, Phoenix, it was 99-90, Phoenix over the Lakers in game one. And going to just sort of the box score here, Devin Booker was on fire. Uh, Mikael Bridges was four of 12. Chris Paul, three of eight. Jake Crowder, three of 10. Cameron Payne, two of eight. Like all the role players shot really poorly in that game. And you get into a series for on their front and they had Anthony Davis and, and DeAndre, or I'm sorry, and um, the big fella. Um, DeAndre Aiden. No, 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 no. Who's the big fella? And, Andre Drummond. Andre Drummond. He's, sorry, he, I couldn't get oh, there. He's, 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 very, he's very forgettable. It's okay. Very forgettable. <laughs> but I, I feel like you kind of adjust to those guys and you create a little bit of a rhythm. All right. Okay. Here's how we beat them. Denver is so the Denver is the opposite of the Lakers in almost every way, including their bigs. And I wonder if there's just more of a shock factor there on top of the fact that, you know, Chris Paul is hobbled. And I think maybe not a hundred percent Cameron Payne ran really hot in that last series. Like he just was shooting the leather off the ball, but that's not who he is. So maybe there's a little regression there with the unfamiliarity. And then you go to Denver side, 
Phoenix is different than Portland, but they're not that different. They're actually kind of like Portland in, in a couple meaningful ways. And so I feel like Portland is making a huge adjustment, whereas Denver is probably carrying over certain principles and, and things that you factor that in with the fact that they got three days off and with the fact that Chris Paul isn't 100%. I kind of like Denver in game one. That compelling argument that I convince you, Eric, you're nodding along. No. <laughs> I agree with everything you're saying. I just, I can't imagine it happening. Like, it just, <laughs> we just Jokic lose first games. Dude. Yet, so he's not going to, Jokic only yeah, does we just, the, the day before. Yeah, we just, we just lose the first game of series. It's just like what we do. It's just, it's just how we go about it. Just come out, volley, and they, let me say you it know. another. Let me say it another way. You say we always lose first round series. Let me put it this way. We always win one first round series per year or one game one per year. <laughs> this could be the one. <laughs> this could be the one. I'm saying 2019, second round, 2020, first round, like this game. Maybe. All right. Okay. All right. Listen, everything is possible. Anything is possible. I just have a hard time believing it'll be the case. All right, let's get to the the. Can meet. you imagine what? Uh, can you just imagine what the vibes are going to be if the Nuggets do win Game oh, One? God, like, dude. we're probably going to pick them to win it in five games. Dude, <laughs> no way. No. It's, 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 the <laughs> vibes, the vibes will be, but the vibes will be copyrighted for sure. Oh god, the vibes are copyrighted. We get sued if we. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do think, like, if you're Denver, you look at this. Obviously, you take it one game at a time, but a split is like a great option. I mean, you you always get you get a little um, over eager and be like, man, if they could take both or whatever, but you look at this and you go, man, get a split, bring it back to Denver. You get your MVP probably on Friday. That can give you a boost. The crowd's going to be going crazy. Like you put yourself in great position. If you can just get the split Harrison, you've already told me yours. You're picking the nuggets, but tell me what your actual prediction is, how many games and just how you see this playing out. Nuggets in seven. So, Last year, it was the year of the 3-1 comebacks. Um, this year, it's going to be the year of winning series on the opponent's home court. That That's what Ooh. this year is going to be. <laughs> okay. So I'm picking Nuggets in seven. I think it's going to be a long series. I think it's going to be a chippy series as well. Maybe know. just as chippy as the Blazer series. I think it will be. Um, so yeah, I can't wait. I think it's going to be a great series. Like, no no lie it's these are two really good teams denver and phoenix who are playing at a really high level right now i feel like um i think it's gonna be a great series i can't wait eric yeah i am absolutely co-signing this nuggets in seven prediction <laughs> this is this is going to be what what's going to happen these two teams are are um pretty i mean they are as you say they are a lot like portland but they are better than Portland. They are one game better than Portland is. And, um, but I just believe in the inevitability of Nikola Jokic and what he's going to be able to do at the key battleground, which is to get DeAndre Aiden out of the game, leaving them defenseless to his ability to just grind them down. And so there are, like I said, there's going to be two games that just absolutely fucking suck where the, Phoenix Suns are just super duper hot and like we can't do anything about it because like at a certain point like if like Dame Lillard can just shoot from the from the logo and it goes in like okay congratulations like you can't do that every game I know you can't do that every game you're not that like and <clears throat> there's nothing uh, no one on the Phoenix Suns is remotely um, reliable enough to be able to make those shots 
you know, at a, at a clip that's going to be required to beat down the, the consistency and the inevitability of Nikola Jokic. So Devin Booker's going to have great games. He's going to have a great series overall. Um, but at the end of the day, it's going to be Jokic that, that reigns supreme and is standing on the standing and the one that's left. So Nuggets in seven, mark it down. Let's go. That's I, I'm tempted to take Nuggets in six because winning at home, like I see the path, you split on the road, <laughs> you win your two home games, you lose game five and you close it out in game. So like, I just see that path. If Denver does win this, that's, that seems the most likely. But I like Harrison's argument, the year of the winning it on the road. And I also like, <laughs> I do think fatigue will play a factor in this. And I wouldn't be surprised if Denver gets, you know, like a, a 3-1 lead in the series and drops game five and six as the series goes every other night and there's just a fatigue factor but you get three days off going into that final game seven and if i want to like really throw a hail mary and try to make like a super um, specific prediction i think Jokic has the best game of his career in game seven oh my god wow Jokic has the best, best game, game of his career, career. holy smokes career. Uh, what does that so look what, like? what yeah what's that look like yeah just dominant. I mean, absolutely dominant. We're talking about, uh, you know, 40, 40 points, 20 rebounds, you know, probably only five assists or something like that. But just it, no, the best game of his career is definitely a triple double. But I mean, maybe their teams are trying to like not allow him that. Yeah, you're right. You know what? Maybe, maybe, maybe eight. I'm nine, just saying, like, if, if you're, if you're, if you are saying this is the best game of his career, well, it is most certainly a triple double. What I mean, there's levels to this. I mean, I think it's a game where it's like, ugly every team like everybody on the court's kind of throwing up bricks left and right and Jokic is just like it's winning time and he goes for like 16 points in the fourth and it's just you know essential it's just all essential like whatever it is he had to do he keeps yep. doing it and so yeah the, the numbers might not be the best numbers but it'll just be one of those games where there's no denial it's like yeah that guy decided to win and shut it and he shut the whole thing down and that's my my very oh my god I, I mean the craziest thing about it is it wouldn't be totally surprising because it would be not surprising right like you expect him to have one of the best games of his career this series no doubt because every time you ask him to rise to the occasion he does and he goes above and beyond so here's here's the last. I'm 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 with you. I'm I'm actually with you. I'm with you. <laughs> I like my bold specific prediction. <laughs> here's the thing that you could think about with this team that I I just said this to Matt Moore on on Locked On, but you you look at Denver's playoff like record over the last three years. They first playoff game of their entire careers, you go up against um the Spurs. And you get rattled early, right? But you bounce back, and it's like that was a learning experience. Then you go into Portland, who still had Damon CJ against a team that was 24 and 20, 20 years old, Jamal Murray, 24-year-old Jokic, like really young. And they almost pull it off. They almost do it. It takes all the way until the last seconds of game seven to knock them out. You go back the next year, and Denver beats Utah despite the fact that Donovan Mitchell had two 50-point games and shot 60% for three over that entire duration. Denver still won that one, and it was against the Defensive Player of the Year and Rudy Gobert. Then you go into the next one, you talk about Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and it wasn't even like those guys necessarily played bad until Game 7, and Denver wins that one. It was only the Lakers that knocked him out. And then you go back to this year, and you think Damian Lillard has a 55-point game. He shoots. He sets an NBA record for most three pointers in a series for from an individual. 
and Denver still wins that one. So the only examples we have of losses are Denver's first time ever in the playoffs in game seven in the second round and the Lakers beating Denver is actually really, really hard, especially beating Jokic is really, really hard. And, you know, Phoenix is a great team and I wouldn't be surprised if they did it, but I would not be surprised if Denver wins this one at all. And that's why I'm taking them. I mean, they're battle tested. If you're looking for a team that's battle tested, the Denver Nuggets are absolutely that. Yeah. Um, it's so true. The, bu- the bubble last year, um, even this year already against Dame Lillard. Like, it's it's funny, but they don't back down from anything. Like, they're not intimidated by anyone. Um, they're not, you know, they're they're not gonna be shy against any anybody that they're thrown out there against they're going to go into every series thinking they're going to win it and um a lot of times they do yeah well i like it that'll that'll wrap it up for this edition guys we're going to be back you don't want to miss our pregame shows 30 minutes before tip off every single game live from the bar you don't want to miss our postgame shows especially the winners lounges those are always fun and then tomorrow at 3 p.m i'm going to be live with george carl uh, as we preview this series on the Keeping It 1000 podcast, a separate podcast feed from this one. So you want to subscribe to Keeping It 1000, just like you subscribe to the DNVR Nuggets podcast, because George Carl always provides these great insights. And also, I don't know if you guys, you guys are following him on Twitter. I don't know if you saw. This dude loves Jokic so much. And games five and game six, I think were some of his favorite Jokic performances. So I can't wait till tomorrow when I ask George Carl about Jokic specifically and what he makes of how Jokic closed that series out. It's going to be a banger. Um, Everybody else, leave a rating and review on iTunes. If you haven't already, it helps other people find our show. And we'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, guys, before we get out of here, it's a great time to sign up for classes at MSU Denver Online. Uh, they are offering a free application fee. So no application fees uh, for applications for MSU Denver Online uh, right now. Sign up for fall classes. They've got courses in every type of subject. Uh, it's affordable. They've got awesome teachers. And look, like you can always fall back on an education no matter what point in life you're at. So check out MSU Denver Online. You can do their entire backslash online. And right now, as I said, they are offering... <laughs> what an incredible Music. freeze right harrison right now they are offering <laughs> what that's when you you froze you said right oh, now they are offering and then it froze right now they are offering oh my god zero application fees so sign up for yeah. yeah apply at msu denver online for free embassydenver.edu backslash online.